Here we are. We're live. Now we're recording. So welcome to Coffee, Eggs and Inspiration. It's a weekly show that goes out over YouTube and as a podcast over all of the major channels. And each week I get to sit with an inspiring person and listen to them tell their story and share it with all of you. This week is no different. I'm here and I'm joined by Brendan Kumarasamy. Welcome, Brendan. Thanks. Brendan for from Master you. Talk. You, do you know what? I'm really self-conscious that as I'm giving this introduction, am I doing the silences? Am I pausing in the right place? Am I giving you eye contact and all of those things? And that will be a hint to our audience who you are. You're a public speaking expert, uh, a YouTuber. Uh, the name of your channel is Master Talk. Go check it out. I'll link it below as well. Uh, for you, that's a, um, a hustle, I, I guess you'd say. You've got a day job like me. Your day job's at IBM where you're a consultant and you have a really interesting background that ranges from venture capital to business case competitions to PwC uh, and Collins Barrow, I think was the first one. So a, an accountant by background, a recovering accountant perhaps like me, I'm a recovering lawyer. Um, and we've, uh, we've found our paths in, in different places. So really a pleasure to have you with us. Uh, keen to understand to start with, Brendan, how you got into it, because it's not, it is a side hustle for you. How did you get into public speaking, keynote speaking and doing what you're doing now? Yeah, absolutely correct. So when I went to business school, you know, my, my dream was not to be a YouTuber or to be a keynoter. It was to be you. Right to be an executive at a company in my 30s, have a great family, live a great life, and then die, to be to put it quite uh, transparently. So, so one of my goals in life I'd written down when I started university was to be the youngest uh, partner at McKinsey or one of the consulting firms before I turned 30. So, and the best way to do that is to compete in these things called case competitions. So, think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. <laughs> so, while other guys my age were playing rugby or footy or cricket. I used the same competitive spirit that I had, but I applied it to presentations. So in three years, I cracked hundreds of cases. I trained a bunch of people. I presented a bunch of times. And I was fortunate to have landed the job that I wanted out, out of university. But what happened was the unintended consequence of all of the practicing I was doing without even realizing it, Craig, was when I started working in the corporate world, I was one of the youngest professional speech coaches in the world. So I started training CEOs on how to speak when I was 23. And I started the YouTube channel because I noticed a lot of the content available online was horrendous. And this was especially true with people in the technology space because I was training a lot of startup founders on how to pitch and share their ideas back, back when I was in university. And they were very smart with their products. They knew how to code. They knew how to be customer obsessed, but they didn't know how to communicate those ideas. And since they were too early in their ventures, they couldn't afford a speech coach. So when I saw that gap, and I just said, hey, I should probably solve this. Nobody else is doing it. So I started making videos in my basement. Thought it was a stupid idea. And then a year later, here we are today. Here we are today. I can't tell you how grateful I am that you used somebody in their 30s uh, in, your, uh, in your comparison to, to me. Uh, that's not happened in a while, but I'm very flattered by it. Here we are today, indeed. And your journey onto YouTube um, has, has made that content available to anyone anywhere in the world, which, uh, which is why I'm doing it as well. But like most, you had some initial uh, reticence, right? You were hesitant uh, and self-conscious. How did you break through that? 
Right. Definitely a lot of barriers, you know, like I never wanted to be a YouTuber once again. Like I wanted to be you, you know, be an executive company. Why spend my time working on a YouTube channel when I can be using those hours to work harder hours, getting more output done at work so I can get promoted faster. But then one of my friends asked me this question that I reflected on that changed my life. The question was as follows. Do you have time to coach everybody in the world? And I just said, what do you mean? And he said, even if you got paid $1,000 an hour, Brendan, could you coach every single person who needs you one-on-one -on -one and get to every single person before it's your time to go? And I just said, well, I guess not. And he said, well, then you have no choice. You got to get on video. So for me, video wasn't really a fun thing to do or rather something I would love to do as if I have passion for editing all that stuff, none of that. It was rather an obligation. It was a duty and a responsibility to serve the people that couldn't afford a speech coach so that they can share their ideas with the world too. So the way that you get over that hesitation, Craig, is by first understanding that the fear needs to always lose to the message. Was I scared when I started coaching executives for the first time? Absolutely. Especially with people with your stature, I was like, wow, they're asking me to coach them? Like, this makes no sense. So where does that confidence come from? That confidence comes from two areas. One is preparation. Have you prepared enough times to be an expert in the subject? And the second part is having a belief system in what you want to do. If you believe in that world and you have a point of view on how the world should be, it's that belief system that guides you to post the videos, to present the keynotes, and to get the ideas out there. Well, it comes through really strongly, I have to say, in your content, and it's well worth its uh, nice sort of pithy videos, three tips, five tips here and there. The fear needs to lose to the message. I love that. I'm, I've written that down. I'm going to steal it with pride, if I may. Please. Uh, yeah, uh, but you, you, you sort of punch through the barrier. Tell me a little bit about your YouTube setup, because a lot of people think, okay, once they get through that sort of self-consciousness barrier think oh well but i can't do it because i haven't got a massively expensive camera and lighting and etc what have you got right so when i started youtube i started with the following my phone and that's it that was it i, I just sat on a couch that's literally right over there and i took a i think it was i don't even know what it's called anymore it's like those things you put a phone on and you can like move them around a tripod tripod that's it so it was like a 25 dollars tripod i was still a broke student in january 2019 when i started the channel because i only started working at ibm three or four months later and i got my first paycheck and i was like wow what happened my life is completely transformed but until that moment i was still broke like any other person at university so that's that's how i started that was my setup for the first nine months of master talk Week in, week out, I would take the same phone, I would move it around and just present. And then after I got better on camera and I'd saved up a lot of money from my corporate gig, I was able to transfer a lot of that wealth into the channel. I got lucky. One of my best friends is world class at video. So now he handles all my production, does everything for me. So I can't really comment too much on what the setup is. So I don't really know. But I think the, the key idea is it's more about getting started. The challenge with YouTube isn't actually posting consistently. It's to post the first time. Like well, the first video that I posted, it took me three weeks to post it because I was so scared. Because when I compared that performance, which sounded something like this, hey guys, so uh, yeah, today for master, versus when I was, because I was keynoting at that time and I was seeing my presentations and I was doing really well. And I was comparing that with my videos and I was like, I cannot put this out. 
but you need to put it out. That's the challenge. And then when you overcome that hump, it's much easier to create. I totally agree. That was my experience as well. And uh, actually, I've still got my my earliest videos on on my channel. If you look back, I mean, I, I I'm terrible today. You, you should have seen me back then. You know, it was absolutely absolutely awful. But you're right. The, punching through the barrier and uh, and posting the first one is uh, is the key thing. I do mine on a smartphone as well. Not at the moment, obviously, because we're in COVID sort of lockdown conditions. But still today, I just use a smartphone. I'm doggedly determined to stay with that because uh, I want to demonstrate how accessible it can be. Let's talk about some of the tips that you've uh, and techniques and you've got lots of content so I would encourage you if you're watching this uh, go afterwards or during um, and have a look at Brendan's channel and and, uh, and dive into it a bit. Can you give us the two-minute version the elevator pitch what are your top tips public speaking Brendan. absolutely so I'll give you the easiest one that I actually don't talk about a lot of my videos that you can implement for the rest of your life and I call it the puzzle method so think of public speaking like a jigsaw puzzle you know those thousand piece puzzles you do with your family especially now since you don't really have anything better to do so if I asked you Craig as you're working on these puzzles which pieces do you start with first and why uh, well, the edge pieces generally, because they're easy to identify and it could, sort of gives you a framing for the picture. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. You start with the corners. The question we need to ask ourselves in public speaking is why don't we do that? We have a presentation a couple of days at work or at school. So what do we do? We shove a bunch of content in. In other words, we start with the middle pieces first. We get to the presentation on Friday, we get to the last slide of that presentation, and it sounds something like this. Uh, yeah, so thanks. And that's 97% of all of the presentations in the world. So to master the public speaking puzzle, you need to treat it like one. Start with the corner pieces first. Practice your introduction 50 to 100 times. Not three times, not five times, 50 times. And guess what? They'll take you an hour. It's actually not that long because it's a minute each. Same thing with the conclusion. What's a great movie with a terrible ending? A terrible movie. So same thing, 50 to 100 times. You'll have practiced two hours in total, and you'll have given the best introduction conclusion that you had in your life. And then with that confidence, you'll say, wow, I'm really good at this public speaking thing. Then tackle the middle. What a great tip. I've, I've not had that tip before, but I'm going to take that on board uh, with, with, the, uh, uh, with the keynotes that I do. Fantastic. Start with the edge pieces. Love it. Um, what do you think are the differences? Obviously, we're filming this. You're in Canada. I'm in London. Uh, not London, Canada. London, UK. This is our norm these days, right? We're not talking to big audiences, or maybe we are even bigger audiences in some cases, but we're doing it virtually. How has that changed the art of public speaking in your view? Absolutely. So, so the way we can think about this, Craig, is that the difference between the online world and the in-person one is this idea of gauging your audience's reaction. So let's say I'm in London and I'm giving your family, your group of friends a workshop on communication. And I say a joke. Two things will happen. One, you'll either laugh at the joke and say, man, Brennan's such a funny guy. Or more likely, number two, you'll look at me and you'll go oh boy, this guy is not funny. Why is he telling jokes? But either way, 
I can gauge your reaction in real time because I'm right in front of you. So if I'm not funny, I can adapt. I don't have that luxury in the online world, which means the same joke I need to say with the same level of positivity, the same level of enthusiasm and energy, and assume it's funny. What do I mean by this? Even in this very conversation we're having, Craig, one-on-one, -on -one, I have no clue how you're reacting to me. Why? Because I'm not looking at you. I'm looking at the camera lens to give the illusion that I'm looking at you for those who are watching. So if you have 20 people on a Zoom call with like mini screens and half of them are turned off, well, you can't really gauge anything. So how do you fix this? You fix this by doing two things. One is imagining the perfect in-person audience. So let's say when I started podcasting the first time, it's really bizarre, right? Because a stranger is asking you questions about your life and you're sitting there like, whoa, who is this guy? But then over time, as you get more and more positive feedback, what happens is your mindset, the interaction, your belief of who the audience is changes dramatically. So it goes from, oh, I don't really know who Craig is to, wow, Craig is putting a lot of effort into this podcast. He has such a hectic day job, but he's still taking time out of his busy schedule to meet a lot of inspiring leaders. I'm going to assume that Craig is a great person. So that's how I'm speaking to now as if I already know you. But that doesn't start that way. It, it's, it's a belief system that eventually becomes true as you develop. And then the second tip is pretty simple. Just get a bunch of people on a Zoom call and have them criticize every part of your presentation from the way that you're dressed to the way that you speak and what you say. Right. Good, uh, good feedback. And please, in the comments, do give us feedback on this one as well. I'd love to read them, at least in, in hindsight. Um, the, the other thing I hear often, and I, I'd like to uh, give you the last word to end on this, is that people find public speaking absolutely mortifying, nerve-wracking. In fact, I think there was a study, read a study once that in, in order of the most feared things, I think death was number two behind public speaking. So for those out there who feel uh, crushed by the thought of public speaking, how do, how do they punch through those nerves? What's your advice to them? Right. So, so the first thing we need to understand about the fear of public speaking is that it's definitely there. But the reason it's there is because of how we frame the problem. So let's say, for example, we think about everything that we've done in presentations our whole life. Well, let's break this down really quickly. Almost 100% of them were mandatory. We don't wake up one morning and say, hey, you want to get some coffee and eggs, Craig? And then instead of doing some inspiration, you want to do presentations instead? <laughs> Nobody says that except maybe me. Number two, in those classroom presentations, you never get to pick the topic. You're always listening to students who don't want to be there. And you're always getting coached by teachers who are very stressed so they don't have time to coach you one-on-one -on -one. it's no wonder that we hate public speaking but if we change that frame from a fear to a way to make a difference you'll be successful and the question you need to ask yourself to get from a to b is the following how would the world change if you are an exceptional communicator and by answering that question you'll slowly realize as you spend more time reflecting on it that public speaking has very little to do with presentations. It's everything that you do. It's the interactions you have with the people that you love. It's the way that you get milk after work. It's the way that you date. It's the way that you negotiate deals. It's every interaction. And when you learn that it is, 
then you'll start to want to master it and see the benefits yourself. Wow. Uh, so it's uh, everything we are and how we communicate with everyone around us every day and every hour of the day. Uh, I love that framing. Um, it's been a pleasure. It's felt like a, a compressed masterclass in public speaking. I already do a lot of it and I've learned tons just in the 16 or so minutes we've been talking. Uh, Brendan from Master Talk, I really appreciate you joining me. Thank you so much. Likewise.